What's going on, Dialed fam? Happy Monday morning. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, which is strength training for cyclists. Today's episode is all about the science behind consistency. There's a fancy term out there. It's called super compensation. I've mentioned it in the past on other platforms. I actually have a really good journal on this concept on my website, but basically it's breaking down what you really need to do to make progress in the gym. And it's actually what a lot of the programming for Dialed Health is based around is this concept because it's almost like you know, the minimalist approach to strength training we need as cyclists is how little can we do to actually get the results that we want, which sounds backwards, but you know, the volume on the bike kind of takes over. So we're going to talk about that and then roll into the seven effective movements. This is a deeper dive into exactly what you need to be doing on those days. So what I love about this, it's almost like a micro version of the macro view episode we did last year in regards to programming for a full year. Uh, And then we're going to go into talk about moderation a little bit of a rant just talking about why it's so difficult to moderate and some red flags i've seen with people who just can't seem to do it um, or really just have this mentality of all in or all out so that is the episode super pumped for it we're going to start with a quick business update and we're going to finish with a little life update man we got some inspiration we got some funny stuff and that is it so let's just jump in We got a quick business update, but I already feel like you know what I'm going to say. Can you guess? Do you know? That's right. It's the BKXC video, people. The BKXC video on YouTube is now live. It's December 16th, this Monday. It's going down. Now, it's actually right now I'm recording this. It's Saturday. Don't tell anybody. December 14th. So the plan is it should be up. Go check. I'll be posting about it a ton on my Instagram, but uh, it's finally here. It's definitely not the last time I'll be talking about it. Hopefully next week I can come back to you and say, uh, you just talk about all the positive aftermath of the whole video, all the engagement on just the dialed health platforms, but most importantly, the website. So hopefully it's really positive. I think there's a ton of value in it. It's very informative. People are going to walk away with a full total body workout that they can do plus other concepts on training that they can apply. And uh, man, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. So hopefully it goes well. Please go check it out. If you could leave a comment on the video too with your YouTube uh, or thumbs up the video, the better the video does, uh, just the better it's going to be for Brian, for myself. And I really, really appreciate that. So thank you for scoping it out. And sorry you've had to hear about it for the last three weeks, but pretty dang exciting. Now, another big thing that happened uh, content wise this year that actually happened before the podcast started, so I haven't mentioned it yet, was my article in Mountain Bike Action. So this was, I guess it came out, I'm looking at the date here. It was the October edition. So it came out a little earlier than that, but it has a four page spread of me representing dialed health, doing a a no equipment core workout, very informative. And it's just so surreal. You know, this was the first mountain bike magazine that I ever looked at. You know, I'm, I started riding when I was 12 and like you see a mountain bike magazine in Safeway when your mom's shopping and like that was what I beelined it to every time I went in the grocery store. So it's just crazy to be in it now and to be in it in a way that's bigger than myself. Like I always thought I'd be in it for, you know, riding or something and to be in it as a business that's involved with writing is just like so cool. So it's uh, not, again, it's just funny how you think things are going to go and then how things actually happen. And it's even better than I could expected. So I never would have thought I'd be on a, like the, 
anything other than just like a cool rider guy uh, in regards to mountain biking in general. So I don't know. I'm really proud of it. And it came up fresh in my mind because, you know, the article happened. It was very great for exposure and a lot of good things there and excitement. People just being super stoked for me, which I appreciated. But I, you know, you don't want to forget that. So I pulled it out of my desk and funny enough, my mom just surprised me with a custom framed, I guess, picture of, of the article. So she had all the pages cut out framed, uh, including the cover and it's super clean, something I can hang in the gym and not look corny, uh, and still kind of get the branding and represent it and have that credibility of like, dude, you know, this gym that you're in now was featured in this huge magazine. So really, really cool. And uh, it was on their website also. I don't know. I'm just stoked and I want to tell you guys about it. So the October edition of mountain bike action is rad. And, uh, I'm going to be posting on my Instagram soon, probably a little, uh, recap on just that and then how it got framed and once it gets put up in the gym. So, um, other than that, you guys, biggest thing is, uh, just engaging online, you know, just getting the podcast topics ideas is so helpful for me, but from the podcast to sharing it to, you know, commenting on an Instagram post or sending a message or just DMing me and saying like your story and telling me like any progress you've made through the workouts or how this kind of message has clicked with you. Those are all things that not only is it like my total fuel for the business. I mean, it is what motivates me to like do more to get more of those results because it's so impactful and I guess just like special to hear, but it sounds so corny. It's very special, but it also is really great content. Like I use it for my own fuel, but I also use it to flip it back out, um, for other people to see and get inspired and, and kind of start everything without health. So I appreciate you just doing that. Please leave me a five-star review on the podcast app along with a little comment or, you know, screenshot this and share it to your Instagram story, tagged out health. That is, it makes the biggest difference. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do that. So with all that being said, let's jump into the science of consistency. I'm about to tell you something I guarantee you've never heard before, so listen up. Consistency is key. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Everybody says that, (laughs) but it's very cliche for a reason. It's so true. I mean, you can't get around how difficult it is to be consistent, and I think this line of work that I do is like the antithesis of, I don't even really know what antithesis means. (laughs) I think it makes sense in this part. It's, it's like the perfect example of what it, the results of being consistent versus not. I mean, in my line of work as a trainer, you know, you'll have someone who nails every workout for a month and then all of a sudden they don't work out for a month, like a full month. And they'll be in, they'll swing the other way for twice as long. And then they just all of a sudden start again and then don't miss a workout for two months. And then they're off for like six months. I mean, huge, crazy swings that obviously there's something off there. There's something that you're missing and most likely it's because you're either overdoing it when you start or you don't understand, like there's some lack of flow in your life to where you are adding something new that 
it's probably a little bit too much without you taking something else away or having this other thing that you do in your life change because it's so conflicting with your new goal. And so I'm bringing that up because we're going to talk about super compensation and kind of the ideal amount of time to train per week. But you have to remember that consistency is really about finding your threshold and just staying kind of below it. And then I guess pushing up against it very slowly for some people, a threshold with workouts and riding and just being physical or nailing a diet is so low that it almost feels like it's not worth it. But the idea is that you ingrain the new habit in a slow enough fashion that you can stick with it because the swings, even if you like the person who just very, it's like tortoise in the hair that just creeps up so slowly, you know, in two, three years, which we all know, I'm sure if you're over 25 years old listening to this, like, you know, how fast a year can go, you, you know, that like that person is going to be so much further along in two to three years and not only that but like stable they're set in whatever that new habit is of course i'm relating it back to health and fitness but like you can see people slowly slowly chip away at stuff and pretty soon they are just like crushing it and they're solid they have the foundation they've built because they've taken it you know they've chewed one bite at a time opposed to that person that initially has the wow factor and does all of it and does this huge life change and then all of a sudden one thing happens and they are off the rocker dude so that and, and then it's tough because that person this is like such an interesting thing i've seen as a trainer this is like psychology right here so the person that goes super hard initially and it's too much and they can't keep up with it so then they they fall off the deep end but now in their head once they get to a point where they realize oh my gosh what did i do i didn't keep up with it in their head though they think that that one thing they did is what it takes to be successful like they started a very unrealistic diet that sucks even though they got results from it and they can't stick with it so they go off of it and then in their head though they're like no i need to go back on i need to go back on when it's like no 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 you didn't stick with that for a reason you know what i mean like something about what you were doing means that you weren't ready for it and it's not as black and white that's very personal what it could be but like you just can't go back to that but that's where this crazy like yo-yo cycle happens is someone has success they can't hang they fall off and then they constantly go back to that thing that it works but not for them not for long term so that consistent cycle is crazy (laughs) um and i feel bad for people that are stuck in that because it's the majority honestly i see it all the time and uh i think we're gonna I don't want to go into this too much. Um, I guess this is a talk on moderation. We'll save it a little bit, but that's, I guess, a little, I guess, attention grabber if you feel like that's you, because this topic of super compensation is very practical and to the point where I've even gotten feedback of people saying, oh, this workout was too easy. How do I make it more difficult? And my first thought after you know being a trainer for you know eight plus years now is, just stick with it. N- nail it. Do easy workouts for a month and just don't miss a workout. Opposed to going so hard and then a month from now being like, oh, I, I just like couldn't miss it or oh, now my rides are struggling because I'm going too hard in the gym or whatever. Like when you are very consistent, stuff comes around quick and stuff adds up. You know, it's like you don't 
probably feel as fresh as, uh, in your work week as you do um, on Friday. You know, at Friday, you don't feel as fresh as you do on Monday because stuff builds up. Well, like your workouts do the same thing. And guess what? The whole idea is you never stop <laughs> ever <laughs> for the rest of your life to the grave, people. Okay. I want you, uh, you know, walking yourself into that casket doing lunges on the way. Okay. <laughs> so literally, like, it's funny how even working out in the gym two days a week, all of a sudden, it just comes back around. I notice it a ton where I'm like, gosh, dude, I feel like I'm always working out. And partially it's because I am, <laughs> I work in a gym. I'm not a great gauge of that, but like it also, it's crazy how I'm like, man, I just was doing a workout. Wow. I just was doing a workout. I just was doing a workout. And then I'm like, wow, I only really worked out twice a week. Or I feel like I just did a road ride, but it's actually been five days since I did a road ride on my bike. So it's just, it's not a lot when you look at it on paper, but again, it never stops. So it's like, what can you keep up with for the long term? And, um, just, you know, what I'm saying is don't get too excited and feel like you need to absolutely crush it. There's times you need to peak up for stuff and there's times to know like, Hey, this week for whatever reason, I'm going to hit it super hard. And then I'm going to just like reel it back in a little bit. That's cool. But unless till you have that foundation and you know, and you've proved to yourself that you're just consistent, like that's the ultimate thing to work towards. And, uh, it's going to serve you a lot better than being so hot and cold all over the place all the time. So let's get into the real concept, uh, and some of the science behind my opinions that I'm just shouting at your face. But first a sip of water. Okay. You can hear from our, uh, let's listen to some elevated music while we do it. Here we go. Okay. Was that beautiful? Now I'm hydrated. Okay. The lips are moist. Here we go. <laughs> super compensation. You guys, the super compensation curve is basically, it's, it's the science behind how, how much you need to do or how little you need to do to actually get progress in the gym. So if you go to dialedhealth.com, look at a journal, it's called uh, balancing riding and strength training. It has this actual graph that you will visibly see and it's over a week span. So what you'll see is basically this graph at a flat line and it stops staying flat at the initial training session. So here, follow along with me on this one. So the line initially stops at your first session. And after that, and this line, by the way, is your performance. This is your performance level. So when you do your training session, your performance level is going to dip because immediately after a training session, your muscles are broken down, you're tired, you're fatigued. Technically, you shouldn't be able to do what you were able to before that session because you're just taxed. Your body needs to recover. Okay. So over the next day, your body is going to basically take a big dip and then it's going to recover next day or two back to the baseline of where you started, right? So it has this dip. It's like a sharp V. It comes back up as time moves along. And over the next like day or two, it should be at least back to your baseline. But if you did a proper training session, you're now going to adapt to that training session and be at a heightened level of training ability right beyond where you initially started. So that line dips at the training session over the next one, two, three days goes not only to where you were initially, but beyond it. So you're a heightened level of performance. And then you're looking at about the four or five day mark. You've kind of peaked and then you know, you're at a heightened level of training ability, but this curve is going to start coming back down. This is the super compensation curve. So unless you hit your next workout, 
when that curve is at its peak, okay, so we're talking like four, five days out max, you're going to start dipping. And by the end of the week, by that seventh day, you're most likely going to be back at that initial level of performance where you were before the first workout. Okay, so think about it. Straight flat line, you do your one session, it dips. You recover next one to two days back to the initial level of performance. By the third day, you're past it. Fourth day, you're like peaking. And then by this fifth day, you're starting to come back down. So what it's saying is, and and then by the seventh day, most likely you're going to be where you're at uh, before you even started. So this is like (laughs) when you hear about people having, you know, sore legs from a leg session. This is like bodybuilder bros that train their legs once a week and they never can really adapt because they only do them once a week. So you're like forever sore. And with cycling and, and strength training in general, you know, cycling does support strength training. Like being physical in general is going to, I mean, you, a physical action is a physical action. So if you, are, for example, have a very, very highly physical job and you do one strength session per week that's purely focused, well, you could probably make some results and you're kind of like working on that super compensation curve, even though it's not a specific workout. Again, don't give yourself too much credit here. I see people being like, I went for a walk. So that was my exercise. Like, no, (laughs) that's not going to help your uh, strength level. What you need is actual real strength effort to build on. But if you're only doing it once a week, you're you're probably not going to make much progress. So does riding like help? This is kind of a question I have sometimes is, okay, you do one strength session here, but then you do a ride and then you do a yoga session, which is like kind of very light strength. If you're holding a lot of poses, does that help bring it up? Well, I think over time it probably could, but the reality is the science doesn't support it for one. And just what I've seen personally working with people and even myself, it's just not enough. And like, dude, two weeks, Two sessions a week is not a lot to begin with, but it's going to be the slowest process ever, ever. I mean, I I just, I'm not even, it's not even worth finding out in my opinion, like get in the gym twice a week. Okay. (laughs) Give yourself some dumbbells at home, figure out how to do these workouts twice a week. And uh, that way, you know, you are for sure making some form of progress. Even if one of your sessions that week kind of sucks, then you at least know you're maintaining for sure, without a doubt. Because maintenance alone is very difficult for a lot of people. Because again, most people just fall right off. They don't know how to reel it in enough to just even maintain where they're at. So uh, that's, and and this is why two even okay workouts is most likely going to benefit you more than just one crazy workout through the week. So also keep that in mind. You know, and what it means is you're probably going to have to bring your intensity down a little bit to make sure your rides aren't affected by it. So we, I talked about this in the, um, the most important variable to control in the gym episode. It's like episode number two or three. And it just talks about volume and, you know, how volume on the bike affects how much we can do in the gym. But basically you just, you can't like go so hard both days all the time, ride hard around it and expect that, you know, most likely you'll have one hard session, one like lighter session. But again, the consistency is what starts to grow because even if you catch like say you have a hard gym session on Tuesday and then Thursday or Friday you come back in the gym and you have like a lighter session well you're still kind of catching yourself on that super compensation curve and you'll probably build off of it opposed to just waiting till the end of the next week so don't give yourself some credit for that again don't go for a walk you know you, you shouldn't be doing like 
chores around your house and consider that exercise. <laughs> Trust me, I've heard it all. So yeah, keep that in mind. That is the super compensation curve. It is why you at least, if you want to be making progress, need to be strength training twice per week. Okay? So hopefully by now you are convinced you need to strength train at least twice a week to make progress or at least once a week to just maintain. Now, what do you do within those two sessions though? Because two days a week is not a lot of time to do everything to stay balanced and to try all that new stuff you want to try and to get bigger arms and to be more functional and to do this or that. Like how do you, how do you balance all of it? So where we start is the seven effective movements. These were taught to me by the gym Equinox, very credible, high-class gym that just has it figured out. They're super into functional training, and they're very into educating their trainers. So I learned this while I was there, and it's really helped stay focused on what the priority is. And the real, this is like the most skeleton version of what your training program should include before you branch out on certain things and before you emphasize certain things. So here's what it is. So I'll dive in. I'll, I'll tell you the seven effective movements and then give you examples in a deeper fashion. So it's first knee dominant, hip dominant, core, horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull. Okay. So here's what the examples are. You have a knee dominant. Knee dominant would be a lunge or a step up type variation. Uh, something where you are flexing in your knee and most of the, I guess, load is going to be in your leg, like your quad, your hamstring, your calf, something like that. Uh, then you have hip dominant. Now, this is where the hips are going to be the primary mover. Uh, this is a deadlift or a squat. Okay, so most of the force is being generated through your hip, and uh, that's why it's the dominant thing. <laughs> so the thing. I'm getting real sciencey here. So then we have a core movement. Uh, this is probably the one that has the most variety in it and things that are kind of blurry, fuzzy lines, like what's, what is and isn't a core movement. But basically anything from your hips to your shoulders that works and focuses on your torso. So when you do like a plank, although you are using your arms and a little bit of your legs, mostly it's your abs that you're working. You're also getting your hip flexors and your shoulders a little bit. So really everything from your hip to your shoulders, that is your core. Then you have horizontal push. That's a push-up, okay? So it's basically you sticking your arms straight out in front of your body. It's a bench press. Uh, it's a med ball toss. It's um, anything like that. It is, it's a high plank, you know, horizontal push. So then you have horizontal pull, okay? So same exact thing except you're pulling. So you have a TRX row, a single arm row on a bench. Uh, insert any type of rowing variation with a barbell, anything like that. Uh, then we have excuse me, vertical push. This is a shoulder press, barbell. It could be any variation you can think of, honestly. And this is, okay, so I'm going to dive into this more, but I'll, I'll dive into the gray areas more. It's funny because like what is and isn't a shoulder press can be really interesting or just kind of qualify to cover this base of a movement. Um, then we have vertical pull. So it's like some form of a pull-up variation where you're pulling down. So between those seven movements, you are basically ensuring you're going to have a well-rounded program. But here, okay, so let's start here. I believe that everyone, as long as an injury isn't preventing you from it, should 
prioritize these seven movements first and then double down on what they need personally. So for most writers and most people in general, to be honest, you almost want like a two to one pull to push ratio. So it's because you're back, you know, your, your posture is probably not great. If I just had to generalize it, most people have rounded shoulders. They are suffering from upper cross syndrome. This could be from working at a desk. Um, I'm, I guarantee you're a bike rider if you're listening to this. So, <laughs> you know, you are you have the uh, the odds are against you. You know, riding is such a poor position that most likely your back is not strong enough to outdo the tightness of the front of your body so like your shoulders are tight your chest is tight it's under constant tension and your back is kind of like protracted like your shoulder blades are open and relaxed while you're in this position so you know you you're in that constantly and the only right thing to do in the gym is to try and make up for it so that would mean you know you do a row machine as a warm-up you have a bench press in your workout but then you also have another row variation in your workout so that's like a two to one push to pull ratio or just simply you could say hey i'm I'm doing four sets of 10 pushes and I'm going to do eight sets of 10 pulls, you know, just to say it very simply two to one ratio. But then like the lines get sort of blurry because, you know, you think of, okay, these are all the traditional movements. This is my lunge, my deadlift, my shoulder press, this and that. Well, you know, a lot of times like when you do total body movements and when you're doing functional movements, movements that are very practical for like on the bike training you're doing a couple things at the same time. So for instance, you know, if for some reason you have a super strong back and your chest is your weak point, you could actually kind of do a very light version of a row. Like my, my newest thing this week has been a side plank row. So you're in a side plank. Okay. So you're getting your core and you have a band or a a cable and it's, it's basically horizontal, um, or per, uh, parallel with your body. Wait, hold on. How do I describe this? So you're in a side plank. You reach your arm out forward, and then you do a horizontal row and pull back. So because of the nature of the movement, it's very unstable. It's just a core movement, but you are doing a horizontal pull. And if your back is super strong and it's really not a point you need to think about, then that could be the row that you do for the week, and that's it. And that could cover that base. While you maybe need to do work more work on your chest or your shoulders, and you double down on that because you know you. Can can't just like do you can't like do so much volume on every movement so like that's how you can make it more personal i guess um so for instance shoulders you could do literally you know if you have a shoulder injury an incline bench press could be your answer because maybe you can't go completely overhead but you could actually uh, go at like a 45 degree angle, which which is what an inclined bench press would be. So, you know, usually that would be considered a horizontal push, but because you can't really shoulder press and it's the closest you can get, maybe you'll just opt for that until you can go overhead, or maybe that's what you have to do for life. You know, uh, I was just working with someone who had a crazy so- shoulder surgery and they're just so tight and limited in their shoulders that even hanging from a bar and doing a proper safe pack shoulder hang it's not even possible like you know and it's just funny to bring up people's injuries because sometimes people feel so limited with this one thing but like almost everyone has their limiting factor and for this person it was like hanging on a bar so what could you do instead well you could actually use a cable or a band and you can 
uh, do some type of a row variation that is the opposite of an incline press. So you could kneel, you could like stand and lean back and pull, and this could be a it's not a horizontal pull, but it's also not quite a vertical pull. And that ability to get that range of motion, it's like the best you can do. And it's almost answering that need for the movement. You know what I mean? So if you feel limited, I guess is what I'm saying, don't feel like you can't do something in its place because it's the best thing that you can do. And it's still going to help you have the most balanced program. And, um, yeah, I just think that's kind of good to keep in mind because sometimes, like for, I've brought it up on the shoulder episode, but I literally could not do shoulder presses without some insane pain for super long. But what I could do are a lot of shoulder flies and I could actually press um, overhead with super light weight or I could just hold weight isometrically um, overhead and not have too many issues with my shoulders. So like literally doing an overhead plate carry for a long time, I was doing like handstands and handstand walks because for as long as I wasn't pressing, even with like a heavier load, I was fine. Um, but then as soon as I started pressing, it had to be super light. So again, I could still work on that motion without doing the first thing that would come to mind and that exact thing you would think. And then, like I said, when you combine stuff, you open up the possibility to really just like hitting a body part to make sure you're keeping it active and addressed, but you're not like giving it too much attention when it doesn't really need it. And I would say with core, if there's one to double down on, like you don't have an obvious area where like your back, for instance, needs work. Um, I would say hit your core core hard hard twice a week. And that's probably the safest bet. It's funny because abs themselves have a tendency to recover faster than other muscles. Um, I can't reference any articles off the top of my head or anything like that. I should have probably looked some up. Um, that's just a random trainer fact. But you can tra- train abs more frequently. And I, 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 dang, I'm trying to like spit out the fact for you, but I actually don't know. But basically, if you were going to focus on one and make sure you do it, a lot twice a week, I would definitely get those core variations in there. And that's when you can do like the XC program I have, for example, online. There's a a row where you have one hand on a Swiss ball. So you're actually smoking your core while you're doing your horizontal pull variation. And uh, that's just like a fun way to, you know, maybe you don't have one direct core workout, but every single push pull variation you do incorporates core like super sick way to do it and actually a very big like time saver. So then here we go. We're going to go back to our elevator music uh, water song real quick. One sec. Okay. Hydrated. So one fun thing and that you can do is start like combining movements. So kettlebells, for example, are probably the best workout equipment as far as like bang for your buck like on time you can literally mix four movements in together in one flow and do like five rounds of it and call it a day so like there is this movement called man makers uh, you can do them with dumbbells too but you could literally you start out uh by going down on the ground kettlebells in each hand you do a push-up so you kind of jump into a burpee and then on the way up you jump your feet wide into a squat you do a swing clean, so you basically like pull the kettlebells back between your legs, drive your hips forward. That's a hip hinge variation, so like a deadlift. You pop them up to your rack position, so up by your shoulders, you're holding them. Now you do a squat to overhead press. 
you bring them back down into the burpee and you're repeating it. So what you have in one movement is two hip dominant movements. You have a clean, which is arguably a horizontal row. You have an overhead press and you have a push-up. So like you're, you're addressing a lot of these things at the same time. And honestly, it's really fun too. Like if you find yourself liking to combine movements more than actually separating them, I think that's totally okay. And I think that's just a personal preference. You know, I like to go back and forth. You're obviously, you're not going to get super strong on one movement when you start combining everything like that like sometimes people just really need volume in one area you know if you're really 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 bad at push-ups and just your ability to hold yourself up on your bars is poor you may not want to just like always get your push-up in in such small volume that you would in like a man maker like that because you know you do five sets of the or five reps of the full man maker and that's like one set opposed to you know if you just did five push-ups on the ground and be like nothing of what you probably should be doing. So like keep that in mind too. Even though you're addressing a bunch of things at once, this is kind of, it's just a different style of exercise. And if there's an area you really need to address, like just just do it. Uh, and that kind of like leads me to the next topic within this is that if you, once you have this structure down of the seven effective movements and you've really nailed getting in all these movements in your own way, and you start like prioritizing certain things, then once those things are done, you're like, okay, I have a balanced program. I'm really addressing my own needs. Now, like what do I do that's actually kind of fun or just an interest or even kind of a random goal, like an aesthetic goal that I have? You know, my personal one this year has had has been to build up my arms a little bit. And what's funny is I feel just straight up dumb doing curls. I just feel dumb. It's like it goes against so much of what I've trained myself to believe over the years. But the most shocking thing is how much more fit I have gotten since literally focusing and isolating my arms. So doing like dumbbell curls or tricep, uh, like skull crushers or overhead tricep extension or some type of uh, like, you know, just curling a barbell. Like I feel like it's such a bro. First of all, I'm not against feeling like a bro, uh, but I always just ask myself, is this a waste of time? Like, should I be doing this uh, knowing that, you know, I'm like the, the mount, like I'm like the cycling trainer, you know, I feel like out of place doing this right now. But what came by such surprise was how much I realized it was a weak link. And although I've been doing push and pull variations for a long time, I have a tendency to be more dominant with my core muscles, like my chest and my back opposed to my arms. So I was like, whoa, having stronger arms now allows me to finally up the weight on that row variation because my arms can take it. Or like even the kettlebell flows I was talking about, it's something I do frequently. Now I can swing around a heavier weight with one arm because my bicep's not getting blown out since it's been stronger. So that was like a really interesting observation and even weirder, but <laughs> I kid you not, this is personal, like this is my own thing. My road rides got stronger since I started doing like bicep curls. And please do not mistake that for me saying that's how you get faster on the road bike because it's not the case. Obviously, I'm pedaling a ton. There's a ton of other stuff I'm doing. But because it really was my weakest link, it still definitely is, I think, my arm strength. Like, my ability to pull on the bars and transfer power was even greater than it was previously. And uh, that, was, that was kind of eye-opening. And 
truthfully, I think part of it is that I've been doing a lot shorter road rides since my son was born. Like I'm riding frequently, but most of my rides have been around like 25 miles. And so I don't know how that would kind of translate to the longer rides. I'm sure it would still be a positive effect, but that was one thing I noticed in, and I guess I noticed it because with the shorter rides, you could do a lot more sprinty type efforts, uh, a lot of higher efforts. So, um, it was just very apparent. I was like, wow, I don't want to give credit to bicep curls, but you got to give credit where credit's due, man. And for me, my weak link was my arms and I didn't find it until I tried it. But it, all of that though, was on top of me covering the bases of all these seven effective movements of having my consistency down through the super compensation. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was not the first thing I went to. It's totally an afterthought and it should be, you know, you should not be prioritizing really like anything aesthetically in my opinion until you at least have these bases covered because you know if you're just growing like arms on in your and you're skipping your squats to do it you are really really like not in you know your mindset isn't on the right areas it just isn't like your your focus isn't in the right spot as a bike rider you know if you just stopped riding i'd say do your thing but like we have to do things that are smart for our performance and the goal is to be better on the bike and more comfortable and happier and just have more successful, great rides, you know, and it's not going to happen if you were actually focusing on one of these little, like after, you know, side afterthoughts, like opposed to the actual real meat of what we're supposed to be doing. So, uh, again, that comes back to priorities, super compensation, focusing on what is most important weekly. And what can you keep up with? You know what I mean? So it's all, always good to have like these ideas. But remember, you actually have to do it. <laughs> and um, that's pretty much it as far as the seven effective movements go. So now that you know, we saw last week in the episode, the overall programming for a year. You can now break it down to how often you need to be training in each week with the super compensation. And then within each session, the seven effective movements that you just, the, the goal minimum is do one of these movements at least one time per week, and then do more of what you need. Once those bases are covered, add the fun stuff, try the new stuff and, uh, figure out maybe what your weakest link like I did. This is Christopher Walken. I'm here to talk about moderation in terms of consistency because the two go hand in hand. Oh man, that, that impression went off <laughs> the deep end really quick. Not a great one. You know what? My buddy Kyle Mize, videographer, does a great Christopher Walken impression. I wish I had him here for it right now. I just can't hang. But uh, we're gonna, we are going to talk about moderation. You know, it's very important with consistency to talk about how difficult moderation is because ultimately to find consistency, you're going to have to use this principle to some extent. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the person that is like yo-yoing up and down through the process of their gym workouts, especially diet, they're just not going to get the, not only are they not going to get the long-term results as the person who can slowly implement things, AKA moderation, uh, but they're also going to create other problems. Like I mentioned, like they have this new uh, thought that they have to be this extreme way to get these results. And that's the only thing that works, but it's so hard and I can't do it all the time. I just, it's not worth it. You know, <laughs> it's like someone will come to me and tell me how they're ready to start this program. They're ready to do this and that. And they're all excited. The excitement's great. But 
when you're telling me that you are all in or all out, you're on or you're off, you're either just like going for it or you're not, that is like the biggest red flag ever. Uh, people will just say I'm all in or all out. That's like the typical verbiage. And when I hear it, it's just like, you're basically telling me you're not going to follow through. I have not, I don't think I've talked to one person, literally, in eight years of training that has come to me and said that, who has gotten great long-term results. You know, maybe they've stuck with training for a while or they've stuck with this or that, but like they'll go, they'll have a really, really successful month. And then the newness wears off the reality of the difficult new lifestyle they've created uh, because they don't have the balance. Like they haven't implemented things slowly and, you know, allowed their life to adjust. Like, you know, when you don't practice moderation, you're not allowing for like the real life change to happen. You're kind of just following like a formula and you're putting it on top of whatever dysfunction that you already had. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. People say it almost with a sense of pride. It's like, they'll say, yeah, you know, all in or all out. And cause I think being all in is really positive. It's good to commit to something. And that is something to have some pride in, but the all out part <laughs> is not, it, it creates, it's more negative than the positive is positive. So if that's you, and I'm sure there's some listening right now that have that mentality, just please stop thinking about diet and exercise that way. I would encourage you not to really think about anything that way. You know, um, maybe marriage. If you get married, you should be all in on that, <laughs> I guess. Well, then you don't want to be all out either. Stuff happens. I don't know. We're not going to get into this stupid, <laughs> we're not going to get into this life stuff, but basically you just, I don't know, history like repeats itself. I've seen it over and over again with these clients over the years, different ages, different genders. doesn't matter who it is. They come in, they say that. And I'm like, that sucks. You just said that because now I know as soon as the newness wears off, as soon as you have something that throws you off for a day, you're out for like a month or you're out for some time. So try to get that on and off switch mentality away and understand that it's going to take real energy to actually make a life change because you guys, if you want to be a fit, healthy person, you have to be legit. There's no other way around it besides, you know, you could have a lot of surgery. You could have a lot of, I guess, money to help fund chefs and this and that. But even those people, like they're not going to be this like image of health that you probably want. Uh, that's what I at least want for myself. And there's just no cutting corners, uh, with the exception of just substances and stuff that, you know, I don't want to put in my body. A lot of you also don't want to do it, but like really think about it. You can't just cover up bad habits with good habits and expect the good to always outweigh the bad. So you have to change some bad habits. And honestly, a lot of people are not willing to give those up. And, and that takes, you know, it takes thought. What are the habits that are pulling me back from this new goal? You know, it takes real decision-making and like introspection. And it's easier just to say, I'm going to be paleo because I know that I just can't eat carbs and I'm going to follow that. And again, people have a lot of results on that, but now it's like, two years down the road, you got the results. That's the only way you know how to eat. Like, is that really going to solve the problem long-term, you know, or just saying that, you know, I'm going to run five miles a day and that's it. 
like that is incredible. But what happens when you have an injury that prevents you from doing that and you don't have any variety or you don't understand that the reason I'm running is for my cardiovascular health. It's because it's something I enjoy. It's part of my routine, the endorphins. I feel good. It maintains my weight. It just helps all these all these positive things over just the habit of I just run because you know for yeah I've seen people who ride a ton and then they can't ride because of an injury nothing else in their lifestyle changes or they don't have a replacement for it because they don't know even why they're doing it besides the fact that they like to ride and liking to ride and just doing it because of that is totally fine but you have to really look at what you're getting from riding because you know I don't want to ever discourage someone from not riding, but it is replaceable in a way. Uh, And it's weird to even think that way, but like the joy that we get from riding, other people get from other sports, other activities and other areas of life. So like to think that you couldn't actually see it from a, you know, enjoy something as much as you enjoy riding. Um, you know, it's just another way to look at it, but just keep that in mind. Like there's a deeper thing that you riding is bringing you to. And so Anyways, you want to you want to find that. You want to know why you're doing something and not just put yourself in this formula that is so on and off to where now something goes astray, you you, <laughs> you have something come up and you're just out of it. So, focus on moderation, focus on finding the deep root of what you want, what this new thing is doing and any conflictions that it might be having in your actual life to help maintain the consistency, and that's how you find moderation because if five workouts a week to start out is too much for you, then maybe three weeks work or three days a week is like perfect or maybe two days or maybe you know what? One day is all you can do for a month and then you're like, if I can do this for a month, I'm going to add another day and then slowly just add on like that. Again, over the course of a couple years, which will go by quickly, you will be in a place that you are not only like happy with but you're stable. You can hang out there and you could probably still keep growing on top of that. So that's my, uh, you know, kind of like spiel on moderation. I'll tell you where I'm at personally. You know, I have slowly been progressing my diet over the course of like 10 years. It was, I'm 28 now. It was when I was 18. I first started chopping up little bell peppers and like the smallest token pieces of broccoli and putting them into my Mac and cheese, like craft macaroni and cheese. Okay. <laughs> And that was my attempt to start eating vegetables. And I'm at a point now where I I literally can't imagine buying a box of Kraft Mac and Cheese and just like eating it. No way. I mean, I'm not saying I don't eat things of like similar quality or whatever, but it's just my mind is so different on how I enjoy foods and eat vegetables and do this, but it's been like slowly, slowly chipping away at it for like 10 years and periodically going through little diet, like focuses and big pushes here and big pushes is there. The most recent one has been all the food tracking and counting macros. And it's been very eye opening. But again, it's like stages. So it's been a slow process, but I've honestly changed my habits so much that like if I ate the way I used to, like a bowl of Reese's Puffs for breakfast, like I just, part of it is that I'm older for sure, but like I just cannot even imagine doing it Um, or doing it and not feeling like I'm blowing it, you know? So there's that. And then when it comes to working out, you know, I'm really happy with my mobility. I'm really happy with how lean I am. And again, it's not like perfect, but really at this point, if I could just slowly, very slowly, put on muscle over the rest of my life, like very slowly, like less than a pound a year and 
put on muscle at least until I'm probably into my like mid 40s and then like just maintain it like that is great you know if I can maintain being lean stay mobile uh and just slowly put on muscle dude like that's actually a huge victory again it's not going to be dramatic there might be some people that see oh you haven't changed in this in long but honestly sometimes not changing and just maintaining is a lot better than going downhill which is what a lot of people do over time and over you know getting just older age and everything like that so if you're at a good place right now like give yourself some credit and just be okay with like these very very small incremental changes because when that's on top of a stable base that you've created and that is not changing at all like i mean dude that is that's legit that's kind of where you want to be and maybe it's a little less like noticeable than the crazy ups and downs and swings and stuff but um that's uh, goals you know what i'm saying that's goals fam all right so you guys consistency that is basically the whole coverage you now have it down to kind of a more micro view and uh thanks for listening i hope that really really helped kind of conceptualize uh, what you need to do to stay consistent and also give you an idea, you know, maybe right now you're doing way more than that and you don't need to, and you feel more comfortable backing off because of that. Uh, and you haven't felt that way before. I think that's also a cool way to look at it. So we're going to jump into a quick life update and then we're going to wrap it up. Welcome to Keeping Up With The Teals, little life update portion of the podcast for you. Got some funny stuff, and I'm actually going to start with more of a recap on this book I'm reading right now. So it's called Ride of a Lifetime. I mentioned it in last week's episode. It's an autobiography by Robert Iger. He's the current CEO of Walt Disney, and he's about to retire after the successful launch of Disney+. And basically, this book is rad. It's very eye-opening, and he talks about this concept of people being ambitious to a fault. And here's what he means. This hit me very hard this week. So basically he's saying in the corporate world, as his example, people can be so focused on their next position and climbing the ladder and the next step that they actually stop doing their current position really well. Like they don't maximize the potential of where they're at in the present enough to really bridge the gap of what they want. Like what they need to do now is their current position so well that they prove that they are ready to take on the next level. Well, in reality, they're so focused on the next level and they're almost like reaching for that without fundamentally killing their current job. And then they can never bridge the gap. So it's funny because you want to know, like there's nothing wrong with knowing where you want to go, reaching, like ultimately having your eye on this like destination point. But when it's distracting you from your day-to-day current job and what your real value needs to be, then it's going to be a problem. It's going to affect you and it could ultimately stop you from even getting there. So that to me was really eye-opening because, you know, I am very focused on staying gracious. Like I practice gratitude and try and get perspective through that lens. But what I notice myself doing a lot is like looking so being so focused on what I like know that I want it's so clear like I can see it like I know this is what it's going to be but it just takes time and then all of a sudden I start feeling unsatisfied even though I'm very happy with where I'm at in fact I should you know sometimes I'm like dude I need to like pat myself on the back a little bit more but then I'm like no 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 
like keep pushing. Do not like let off the gas pedal because I have this fear of going back to myself of being way more of a dreamer than a doer, which I definitely have been in the past. And I think it's more natural for me to just be excited. Like I, I know I have a creative side to me, but it's you know that it, it scares me to think that I could just like go back to that. And that's why I'm like I'm pushing, you know, and um, I, and I just need to continue pushing because I enjoy it. This is like been the coolest thing ever the ride of a lifetime for me is like just the start of all this but you know i need to realize that currently where i'm at is great and i need to continue to get the most out of each day i have now like obviously i have the direction in mind but i can't like just basically live in a place where i'm constantly you know not content with where i'm at um even though i have the clarity of what i want next does that make sense I know what I want, but I need to be present of where I'm at. That's basically what I'm saying. And I, I think a lot of times I'm not. So it was cool too. I posted on Instagram and like multiple people actually commented and just said, whoa, like I feel the same exact way. Talked about it with a client this morning uh, and it was super cool. So anyways, cool perspective for me. Uh, definitely recommend checking out that book. And uh, also I just kind of recommend reading, you know, it's hard to make time for it especially now, like, you know, I wake up early every single day, even on the weekends and I do it so that I have an opportunity to, to read. And, you know, <laughs> like my son's been waking up early has killed that opportunity a few times. So like, I get it. It's, it's tough to fit in sometimes, but the singular focus of a book in your hand is very hard to, you know, replicate any other way. Like, even though your mind is like kind of stirring on certain thoughts, it's like, it's just one thing in front of you no blinking lights no notifications you know you're not driving while you're listening to something even though it's valuable you're probably driving when you're hearing this right now but yeah just i don't know pick up a book man read a friggin book okay you big dodo brain all right um <laughs> and then uh White elephant gifts, people. Kind of random. I'm going to two white elephant parties tonight. And me and my wife went shopping last night with little auto for it. And we got two things. So this comes out, I guess, after the party. So no one's going to hear it, who I'm going to. But basically, one party, mostly girls. We got a hot guys holding uh, baby animals calendar. So we have shirtless guys with puppies. We have more shirtless guys with little baby goats and little sheep and other animals. And uh, it's pretty hilarious. We also got a, <laughs> a shirt that is for another party. And a lot of this party, like the show, The Office, I'd say most of this crowd, just the humor they've pretty much all seen it. So it's this pink shirt. It has a picture of Michael from the episode where he ran a marathon and he's all like keeled over and he just looks defeated. <laughs> the quote on the top says, uh, it's something like I've been running away from my problems so far. It's working out fine or something like that. And, uh, just kind of random. So it was fun shopping for that. And I can't believe we're doing these Christmas parties, man. Like end of the years here. It's insane. Now, last thing I will say, is this Vince Lombardi quote that it's supposed to be quote of the week here at the gym. I have it on the board. It's kind of turned into quote of the month because <laughs> I didn't change it last week. But here's what it is. This is so fire. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in good cause and lies exhausted on the battlefield victorious. I mean, what is more freaking fire than that, dude? Is there a better feeling than working super hard towards something, accomplishing it, and that feeling of exhaustion and accomplishment 
directly after. Like you're literally you want to lay down and just smile and breathe. And yeah. And gosh, now that I said that, <laughs> I might have even said this quote on another podcast. Um but it's worth hearing twice if that's the case. So I don't know. I've just been looking up at it for a couple weeks and it's just super inspiring. It reminds me of why you want to work hard. And uh, I guess I'm just in hustle grind mode right now, guys, because you're getting all my little motivational tools. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I genuinely hope it helps wrap your mind around what it means to be consistent and just add some value for you. Now, if you have any questions of your own, feel free to reach out through my website, dialedhealth.com, or you can slide into my DMs at dialedhealth on Instagram, and I'd be happy to go back and forth on you, whatever you need. Also, topic ideas are great. Sharing this with your friends is huge. I mean, literally just text this to someone right now who you think would be interested in the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And with that being said, start moving forward and discover your path. I'll see you next week.